0: From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people,
1: credit union ideas. While the CUNA Governmental Affairs Conference is ostensibly an advocacy event, it's really much more than that. Everyone who attends the conference has a unique story to share, an idea or an ideal. That fuels their individual passion for the people-helping-people concept of financial services. I'm Ron a Senior Editor with CUNA News. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, we share a collection of the voices from the 2022 CUNA Governmental Affairs Conference. The ideas shared in this episode are as varied as the attendees themselves, financial well-being, small credit unions, credit union awareness, young professionals, relationship management, the CUNA GAC virtual experience, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. This episode reflects not only the energy and passion that drives the success of the CUNA GAC each year, but also the thought leadership that makes this such a compelling time to be part of the credit union system. We kicked off our coverage on Sunday afternoon at the Small Credit Union Roundtable as Tom Saycash CUNA's manager of Small Credit Union Initiatives, and Helen Mickle, president and CEO of Tonga's Federal Credit Union, Ketchikan, Alaska, discuss how small credit unions address talent
2: strategy.
3: Welcome back to the J.C. What are you doing here today at the small credit union roundtable?
2: Yeah, we have a couple things going on. The first thing is we're unveiling a new resource for small credit unions called our CUNA Small Credit Union Talent Strategy Guide. One of the big issues that small credit unions are facing right now is talent. They have a hard time acquiring talent, retaining talent, culture, and so we have a new guide that's going to help them with those very things, best practices, Uh, and everyone in the room is getting a new guide uh, to help with that issue. The other thing is we're going to do some panel discussions around talent and some table discussions around best practices for lending, generating income, membership growth, all the major issues facing small credit unions today.
3: What were some of the best practices in the guide that small credit unions can follow?
2: Yeah, I would say the one that I would highlight is that small credit unions have a very unique value proposition and that they make a direct impact on their members and their communities that can be felt by everybody in the organization. So if you're trying to hire somebody, make that front and center. Make that the first thing you say to a potential candidate to work for your credit union that you are going to help people from day one. And that's something that no other institution or organization can really meet or match.
3: Why is talent acquisition and retention seem to be a bigger issue for smaller credit unions?
2: Yeah, it definitely comes down to resources uh, and compensation. Those are always the most important things that employees are looking for. And at the end of the day, smaller credit unions, they just don't have those things like other larger financial institutions might have. Uh, And so that's really where you have to get creative in how you position yourself as a credit union. We might not be able to pay what everyone else can pay, but you're going to make a direct impact on your community and on these members. And there's a lot to be said about that, for sure.
4: I'm Helen Mickle. I'm with Tongass Federal Credit Union in Ketchikan, Alaska. We're a $133 million credit union, and we have five branches and four community microsites in southeast. So the small towns and communities of southeast Alaska are not connected by a road system. And finding talent in tiny communities as small as 500 people can be very difficult for us. We are located, our main office is in Ketchikan, which is about 14,000 people. Mostly we try to grow from within, but I have had some good luck going out to recruiters. Some recruiters have helped me get some of our top talent in. We've looked on LinkedIn, we use Indeed, we advertise locally and throughout the state. But mostly, you know, our our greatest success has been when we've helped mentor and bring along and educate some of our own employees. And we've had some great success with that.
3: What are some keys to retaining your, your best employees?
4: I think that mission means a lot to them. Of course, you need to be able to provide them with a living wage. And that's something that we've been really battling with. But we get salary surveys. We do the best we can to stay within a range that's reasonable and within the market. And so, yeah, I think, you know, mission has a lot to do with it. Teamwork, being part of the credit union family, those all play in.
3: And what's your main selling point to external candidates?
4: Wow, you know... It's a beautiful place to live, (laughs) Um, but not everybody can handle it. It's um, very rainy where we live. We're in southeast Alaska, and you're isolated because you live on an island. So we, I try very hard to find candidates that are actually from our area, if I can, because that they know and understand the kind of communities that we live in. But the big selling point, a lot of people love our mission. They love what we're doing, serving these small communities that have never had credit union services before. I'm a very open leader. I love to have uh, collaboration. I invite my leadership team to come in and talk. I listen, and we make changes, and we grow and do fun, cool stuff.
1: Next, two participants in the GAC Trashers program, Amanius Haley, IT Business Systems Analyst, BECU Tuck Washington, and Emily polanco Barahona, Vendor Manager, State Employees Credit Union, Raleigh, North Carolina, talk about the next generation of leaders in the credit union movement.
3: So a big challenge for credit unions today is finding new leaders to assume the, the helm of credit unions in the future. What do you look for as an emerging leader? What do you look for in an organization? I
2: look forward to have a supporting environment, an organization that provides professional development, an organization that that provides employee advancement, that truly invests in their own uh, employees.
5: Uh, So to echo his point, absolutely, you want to work for a company that actually cares about you. But I think more and more people in my generation are really looking for something that is going to have a positive impact in the world. You don't want to work for, you know, an evil corporation. So credit unions just kind of fit the mold in that sense because they are providing essential financial services to the masses, which is great at a better cost and just generally better services.
3: And what's one thing that would turn you away from an organization?
2: If we were out of our purpose, that would probably turn me away from our our organization. If our organization is not being agile, like when they're implementing change, I would probably be also going away.
5: Agreed. And in addition to that, not paying a livable wage, that would also do it.
2: What's the best career advice you've ever received? I think the best career advice I received was from my mentor, Russ Mann. He's the CEO of Winebit. He said, live a purposeful life and work in a purposeful environment.
5: Best career advice I've ever received. There's been a lot, but I think it would probably have to be do what you love. I didn't know that I would love credit unions, but here I am, 12 years in. It's great.
1: Here, Tom Kane, CEO of the Illinois Credit Union System, discusses financial well-being in the I Love My Credit Union social media
3: campaign. What conversations are you having during the conference so far?
6: First one was uh, actually today is all about the Herb Wagner Award dinner. We had a group from Illinois that I nominated, the Faith-Based Credit Union Alliance. Uh, this is uh, 21 credit unions that are faith-based mostly in the city of Chicago, but some around the country now, mostly volunteers, and they are helping some of the more challenged areas in in uh, Chicago, and so they're being recognized. They do they share everything together. They'll if one of them gets a grant, they share it amongst them. They do share all the training. I've been to a number of their meetings, and they got a core system. About twelve of them are now on that core system, and the nice thing is they are completely focused on their church members. So when you talk about financial well being for all, these are the folks with the, you know the boots on the ground. We were talking about last night about, you know, a volunteer on a Saturday night trying to figure out what the collateral is on a trailer loan, and so they called their counterpart in Louisville who had done a loan like that. And uh, on a Saturday night, a volunteer calling another volunteer, because these these credit unions generally, uh, I think between all of 22 of them, they got about four or five staff. And everybody else are volunteer. They have a a network of more than 225 volunteers that runs run the credit union. So we've worked with them a lot as the league and helped them with the core search and we have a one of our regional directors works with them very, very closely to, to help them with all this stuff, the grant writing and other things like that. So so that to me is one of the, you know, on on a very micro level, how the financial well-being for all, and those are the conversations we're having all the time now we have uh, passed in Illinois uh, State Community Reinvestment Act, so CRA. We're one of only a couple states in the country that have this, and only the one in the last 25 years. So that passed the legislature last year. They're doing rulemaking. So a lot of the conversations I'm having now is, how will credit unions be able to abide by CRA? Because it's all about you know lending and investing in communities and communities that a lot of credit unions don't have that field of membership to be able to serve. So we're trying to figure out how all that's going to work. The nice thing is even the biggest credit unions or whatever that we'd expect to get pushback maybe from, not at all. People are like, we want to do this, they're concerned about the compliance efforts and things like that, but they want to be able to serve people in challenged areas and economically disadvantaged areas. So we're working with the state legislature to actually allow them to have an exception to their field of membership. So even if they're not even located in those areas, can't serve those areas because of their field of membership, that they'd still be able to go in as a targeted market, which is defined as people of color or uh, minorities or uh, financially challenged areas, economically challenged areas. So so that's something we're, we're working through to get a bill in to be able to allow credit unions to be able to invest and lend in those areas that otherwise they may not be able to uh, serve, so. Is
3: there anything else you'd like to add? Any other issues you want to touch on?
6: The only thing I want to do is a little promotion. Okay. And uh, we've got, I love my credit union. So it's our social media blitz. We did that last year on July 30th. So 2022, we're doing it on July 29th. So last year we had about 800 organizations sign up, participate. No fee or anything like that. We just wanted to track them so that we could send them information about the big day. So we had 5,000 people post last year on a single day with the hashtag, I love my credit union. And those 5,000 people with the reach that they had, when I mean, we had like Sarah Silverman and Steve Young, the old quarterback. They had a pretty big reach, but their reach was 22 million people. So potentially 22 million people saw this message and we had thousands and thousands of messages put out there about why people love their credit union. So it was so much fun and we're doing it again this year. We create all the materials, the league and and our business corp, and visit, puts all the materials together, makes it really simple for people to participate. This year we don't have to explain to people what it is because they're like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. And it's so simple for people just to get online on that day on their favorite social media platform. And post something and say put the hashtag I love my credit union. So we're hoping to go worldwide. We had nine countries participate last year. So we're hoping that we have hundreds of thousands of people get on, and that their reach is hundreds of millions of people or billions. So that's,
3: that's amazing. That's a quite a reach. That's- yeah,
6: it was really it was really cool. I mean, people really got excited by it. And uh, like I said last year, I was just trying to explain. I'd spend a lot of time talking to the leagues, talking to credit unions, other partners. We used the exhibitor list here. CUNA was kind enough to share the exhibitor list. Had a bunch of exhibitors and vendors jump in. But it was a lot of explaining, like, what is this? And why are we doing it? And then people saw the results. And so this year, it's an easy explanation. Now we're trying to just expand our reach. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that.
3: What did Sarah Silverman and Steve Young have to say about credit unions?
6: Sarah Silverman was characteristically blunt. (laughs) Uh, She she just said, you know, why give money to to big banks that just turn around and, you know, whatever they're gonna do, give it back to their shareholders or whatever, go with a credit union. And Steve Young is the spokesperson for Children's Miracle Network. So one of the things we did to incent leagues to sign up is our business corporation, Invisent, did a $25,000 drawing, random drawing, of all the leagues that participated. So the Hawaii League got the drawing, and then we donated $25,000 to the Children's Miracle Network Hospital that's in Honolulu. I tried to figure out how I could deliver the check in person, but <laughs> <laughs> that seemed to be a little, uh, yeah, a little overboard, so yeah. so But anyway, that was pretty cool. So we're gonna do that again this year. Uh, we got that incentive, and then we're doing another incentive uh, with credit unions that tell their stories, because we wanna have some good stories, because sometimes you get credit and it's like, we don't have time to think of anything, so we want people to post some of those stories. So we're gonna do $10,000 donations to the charity of their choice, to be able to get people to post, not even a story, but what's their plan for celebrating this day. So again, there's no fee, There's no we don't sell the email list to anybody or anything like that, we're just trying to do something fun, something positive for that day. And the world needs that now. Our next guest, Samira Salem, CUNA's Vice
1: President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, explains how DEI elevates the credit
3: union value proposition. CUNA published an issues brief on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So CUNA will be releasing this right after GAC, but I will give you a little bit of the headlines here. So we're we're able to add a question to our annual member survey, in both in 2019 and 2021. And so what this issue brief focuses on are the results, the findings from this particular question. And this question focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and where credit unions are on their journey. And what we learned was that in 2021, 60% of all credit unions are on the DEI journey. That means they're either planning, or they're in the implementation phase of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is great news in and of itself, but when you compare it to where credit unions were in 2019, which was 37% were on the DEI journey. That is significant change. So we're really, we're excited about this finding. We think it's really encouraging. You know, it tells us what we've all been feeling. Folks that are working on diversity, equity, inclusion have been feeling that things have been shifting, but there is more intentionality about the work when it comes to credit unions, and credit unions get that this is about certainly their bottom line, margin, but also about mission. It's about the long-term sustainability and survival of credit unions, and it's the right thing to do. So, we're seeing that in the numbers.
3: That's great news. What do you think is behind this increase?
0: We know that this is in credit unions' DNA, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what's happened is that credit unions, I believe, have just been more intentional about this work, about calling a spade a spade and building this into their strategy, understanding that by building it into the strategy, by identifying goals and metrics and beginning to measure those, you actually do see the needle move on this work. And so I think we've started to see that that message has come out. And also, I do believe that there has just been so many partners in the movement that have been talking about the importance of this work and that credit unions are getting it. And they are really showing um, what it takes to fully live their mission.
3: What's a good starting point for a credit union that wants to improve its diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts?
0: Again, another really great question. And it starts with understanding why why does your credit union want to do this being very very clear on that why which becomes your north star as a credit union as you're moving through this work and you need to have that commitment from leadership from your executive team from the board they all need to be bought in and supporting the work but that's not it uh, and that's not all you also need to ensure that you're integrating the voices of your employees into this work as well. That they feel like they are part and parcel of shaping what this looks like. Because ultimately, it's about your uh, staff and your membership feeling like they belong, feeling like you value them, that you understand their needs and are working to meet their needs and be their best financial partner.
3: Are there any other points you'd like to make about DEI?
0: Just that this is a very exciting moment. And I also want to say that while these numbers are really encouraging, we still have work to do. And what these numbers tell us is that there has been movement. But ultimately, what DEI is about is making a difference when it comes to financial well-being for all and really focused in on that for all part, ensuring that marginalized and underserved communities have access to good, affordable, safe financial services, have access to credit that serves their needs. So it's important to make the connection and to understand that while these numbers are important, they're not the end in and of itself. It's about moving the needle ultimately on financial well-being for all and advancing our communities this is what credit unions do best.
1: Here, Tim Anderson, President and CEO, United States Senate Federal Credit Union, Alexandria, Virginia, discusses how his credit union
3: improves members' financial well-being. So, Tim, thanks for joining us today. Can you uh, tell me about your credit union and what you do there?
7: Yes, yes. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm Timothy Anderson. I'm the president and CEO at the United States Senate Federal Credit Union. We're headquartered right here in Alexandria, Virginia. The credit union has just uh, been really growing over the last 87 years. We've been in existence since 1935. Right now, we're at uh, just hovering over 1.2 billion in assets. We focus on the one thing that just... You know we tell our people we can never forget and that we're here for our members and that's our focus
3: what are some things that you do to uh, ensure members financial well-being
7: yeah and especially during this time with COVID right during the last couple of years we've had a real focus on on two things taking care of our employees making sure that they're safe and their health is taken care of and obviously our members that's been our, our focus understanding that COVID has kind of made things where we're doing business like we've never done it before. Things are different. I don't know that we'll ever go back to the way things were. So we understand that our members have many unique requirements. So digital has been our focus with our IT department really delivering on digital services has been the focus of the organization. Understanding that members have choices. And if we don't do it, someone else will.
3: Maybe that's one positive that came out of the pandemic is the kind of the increased focus on digital and, and being able to serve members in new and different
7: ways. Yeah. And the thing is, too, we understand that branches are still, you know, our members are still asking to have branches. But what do those branches look like, whether they be a site with an ITM, with the kiosk? So those things that we're rethinking how to deliver and those delivery channels are really important during this time.
3: And, you know, GAC is very focused on advocacy, and it makes me wonder, with with your field of membership, is that part of your normal routine, uh, serving senators and Senate employees?
7: Yeah, yeah, and and it is. And again, since 1935, we've been serving the Senate community, but not just the Senate community. That's obviously our, our main seg, that's our focus, but we also serve members across the country. And so anyone can become a member at the United States Senate Federal Credit Union, not just the Senate community. But that's certainly our focus. Uh, That's who we are.
3: And what issues will you raise with lawmakers when you go to Capitol Hill for your Hill visits?
7: It's just so important, right? And I'm so glad, uh, I I know Jim Nussel here at CUNA was was asking lawmakers to kind of open back up and let us come in person. And so just talking about those things to keep us competitive. Clearly, the fintech environment, I think credit unions need to take advantage more of those opportunities. So I believe with all things being how you deliver to your members, I think the fintech environment, uh, talking to Congress and talking to our lawmakers about just making sure that we have a competitive playing field.
3: And for your credit union, what do you see as your biggest opportunity this year and what's your biggest challenge this year?
7: I think the biggest opportunity has been to, during the COVID uh, latent era, is to be able to move our organization from, uh, we had a philosophy of just being on site. We didn't have a remote philosophy at our organization. We may have had a couple of people working from home on an ad needed basis, but it just wasn't something that we did. It wasn't our philosophy. I think the biggest opportunity has been to be able to take our entire organization remote and we did that within a matter of three weeks without any hiccups so I was very proud of that I think that environment is here to stay right now we have a hybrid environment we're not requiring everyone to come back so we think that there are opportunities there to deliver to our members in a different way yet still be effective reaching our members and the biggest challenge you know clearly the competitive nature of what we do I always say you know I talk to my c-suite team and and I'm always asked what keeps you up at night?" What keeps me up at night is those things that we haven't anticipated. And so we just want to always be a step ahead, understanding the environment and uh, understanding that credit unions are competing against credit unions now. And so uh, I think the challenge there is that unknown and uh, just being able to stake the best financial institution for your members.
1: Our next guest. Christine Hickey, Senior Relationship Management Specialist, University Federal Credit Union, Austin, Texas, talks about her credit union student success programs.
3: Can you tell me about your role as Senior Relationship Management Specialist?
1: So my
8: primary focus is our student success programs, which includes our internship program that we've had for about four years now.
3: Okay. What's involved with that? What are the components of that program? So
8: we really focus on learning, and so our goal is to reduce the time between graduation and employment for our students. So when they're hired for their summer internship, they have 10 weeks, they hit the ground running, they're primarily in their department learning from real projects that their fellow employees are currently working on to gain real skills in the, in the marketplace. And then we also provide them some additional like soft skill kind of things for networking opportunities, professional development, so they can work on, say, like emotional intelligence while they're with us, all with the goal that after the 10 weeks, they have some nice, neat things to put on their resume that will help them after they graduate to find that first entry level position.
3: Have any of the uh, interns started working for uh, your credit union?
8: We actually have had several, some in IT. IT loves interns. They're very easy to hit the ground running after they've graduated, if they've already had some time experienced with them. We've had some in finance, and I believe we've also had some in our years of experience area as well.
3: What are some keys to connecting with the students and making the experience really positive for them?
8: Well, from the, the day one, we treat our interns like full-time employees. We have them go through the new employee orientation, just like our regular employees do. And so I think it does a really good job of connecting them with the credit union mission, with USU's mission, our culture. And so they really start their time with us with a sense of belonging and understand the impact that they're making by being part of the cooperative. And so it really helps them kind of just dive right in, drink the Kool-Aid kind of, and um, just really see the value in what we're doing for the community and for them.
3: Any advice to other credit unions who might want to set up something similar?
8: It's easier than it it sounds. You really just... need someone focused on it, I think. I I think a lot of companies think they just can, you know, post some jobs and see what happens, but it really takes a relationship management aspect to build those partnerships with the universities. But once you get in there and you start talking the credit union mission to the students, that's something that they're really keyed in on and they're really interested in partnering with a company that is doing something for the community. So that speaks volumes to them. So as a credit union, I think it would be easy to speak to that component to them and really have them be interested in interning with your credit union
1: here christopher lawrence executive director CU awareness talks about the next steps for the national marketing campaign
3: so how have things been with you things have been really
9: good really good we've um in 2021 we just really sort started... of I did a bit of a
3: metamorphosis and found ourselves in a new place, which is really exciting. So what changes did you make to awareness? Like what was going on and what were the driving factors behind any changes that you made?
9: So I think really the biggest thing is meeting credit unions where they are. So we learned uh, in our first three years, our foundational period, we learned how to get consumers' attention. So through our awareness and consideration efforts. Um, and we did that through paid digital media, uh, where we were reaching out to consumers. We did what was called a persona behavior location approach. So what the, who the consumer targeted audience member was, what they were doing online that would trigger an, an ad to be delivered to them, and then where they were located, so where the program was launched, so the state that they were launched in. And what we learned is we were really effective in getting the consumer's attention, and we were bringing them, as part of our original charter, was to bring them to yourmoneyfurther.com to learn about credit unions, so to increase their consideration. We had 11 million people come to your money further in the first three years and 6.8 million of those came in just 2021. Wow! So we drew a lot of traffic, but then we kind of got them to this site and left them hanging. And so what we really focused in on was credit unions were saying, I love the program, but we need more traffic to our own websites. We need more leads that, or more consumers that we can count as leads, as opportunities. And so for 2022, we have expanded our strategy to really focus in on taking the consumer to the next part of the journey. And that is to get them to select a credit union as a membership opportunity. So we can't make them join, the consumer join, but what we can do is get them closer to choosing a credit union. And how we're gonna do that is move from just a paid digital program to paid and organic. to easily explain what organic, how that will change this program, is think about the times that you would go to Google and you would say, what's the best car for me? What's the best vacation for me? In our case, it's how do I open a checking account? What's the best credit card for me? How do I fix my credit? I'm trying to buy a house. These are all things that today are being asked by consumers. And sites like NerdWallet and Credit Karma and Millennial Money are delivering the answer through articles that say, here's how to get that done. Well, We've created, in essence, the nerd wallet for credit unions, and it's Your Money Further site, which will come out on April the 4th, which is filled with consumer-friendly information from everything like, how do I save for retirement to what's the best checking account for me? And the answer is always a credit union. And we have a brand new locator with a matcher, which will help that consumer connect more efficiently with a credit union that's a part of the program. So, we want to finish that consumer journey. We don't want them to just get them to your money further. We know how to do that. Now we want to deliver them to the doorstop of a credit union.
3: Must have gotten a great reaction from credit unions on this too. So, Yes,
9: because I think credit unions were like, this is exactly what we need. We need something that's measurable. We understand that there's limitations to what you can do from a program. Like you can only get them to our doorstep, but let us take it from there. And again, we're complementary to what credit unions are already doing. So we're not promoting product rates or terms we're promoting credit unions, but we're saying they deliver great products, great services, you know, and great terms.
1: We wrapped up our coverage on Wednesday morning with the CUNA broadcast team. Nick Palkowski, Lauren Williams, and Ariel Bilski share their experience in providing an on-air virtual experience of the CUNA GAC for the first time.
3: Amazing booth. Wow, this is so cool. What was involved in putting this together, Nick? I think you're the, the mastermind behind it.
10: Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, so this was definitely a big process of, you know, from designing everything. Uh, it was a huge team effort from branding, marketing, figuring out exactly what the space would look like, but then just logistics of the online platform. Like we've, you know, had a lot of experience in virtual these last year. So taking that, still building out all those pieces, but thinking how can we best showcase what's going on here at GAC and give people a taste for the in-person elements so it's planning the schedule who to bring in to interview to make it feel like you're there and you're getting something special as a virtual attendee.
3: Tell me about some of the interesting conversations you had during the show.
11: We had so many interesting conversations. I feel like I learned so much more about CUNA, leagues, credit than I ever had before, just by the interviews, just by the conversations. It's always cool to talk to Jim. Uh, we kicked that off. And I just think he's just so humble for a president CEO, such a great leader. Um, and he was excited to be here with us. And we thought we'd be more excited to be here with him. I sharing earlier, one of my favorites was just to learn about the small credit union and the small credit union initiative, talking with Tom and Amy Broderson um, out of Nebraska and just learning about that CUNA system and like that credit union system, that grit, like that, all the stuff that we talk about year round, because I work in comms, we message it all the time. So it's just different to really hear and see that we live by the words that we speak. So that's some of my favorites. But Ariel, what about you?
12: We were talking about Sierra Leone. It's really hard to pick just one, but I think some of my favorite conversations were around the young professionals because obviously they are, you know, they are our up and coming rising stars. And we really talked about everything from how they can help um, battle our war on talent, to just kind of some of the exciting things that they have, that they're working on, the things that they have coming up. And um, one of my favorites that I also shared was just getting to talk to Courtney Angeli from the Cooperative Trust, um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we have a personal connection from when I was one of the crash mentors, and that was just a great conversation. She brought one of her crashers in, who was just so well-spoken, and you can tell that um, she, amongst some of the others, I'm sure, are going to be great leaders day in the industry.
3: Who else did you talk to? Did you talk to any of the speakers, the keynoters at all?
12: Yeah, I'm going to pass that back to Lauren because she was super lucky on that respect.
11: (laughs) Yeah, I did get to talk to... Pretty much all the keynoters, which was really cool. Mm. Kevin Carroll, Mick um, Amy Cuddy. I have to say it was really cool to meet Kevin because he was at our virtual show last year. Um, and he's just so lively, so personable, and just so willing to just, you know, kind of answer any question that I have for him. And he was super excited to go backstage. And, you know, he brought his red ball as a prop and just to keep talking about that. And, you know, Amy Cuddy, I think she also gave me just some really good Advice. I think she, in her interview, hopefully, like people will see it, really thoughtful. I think in everything that she says and that she does, and then Mick is just like really cool, inspiring. I used to live in LA, so he's so LA, you know, so cool, like really um, creative, right? And using that creative um, drive to do all the stuff that he does. So I really enjoyed talking to each and every one of the speakers. It was, you know, great to get that FaceTime. And we talked to Antonio. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, Antonio, we
12: we didn't even have him on the schedule, and I think he just kept walking by, waiting for us (laughs) to invite him in. So he he lobbied his way into getting a seat, and I think it was probably one of the um, most heartfelt and emotional conversations. And hopefully everyone in our audience gets to see that. And if they weren't watching at that time, of course, everything is on demand. So it was just a great conversation. And we were really feeling it. We were really emotional. So it was just, it was a great conversation.
10: Well, honestly, for me, I think the favorite part of this whole thing, was just kind of seeing it all come together and actually happen with all the planning and everything that went into it. And then kind of that fact, like you were mentioned with Antonio, but, like, just seeing more and more people kind of notice what was going on and then, like, start asking questions, wanting to be a part of it, like, seeing how they can get involved. Like, that part was really cool for me, and I think we pulled off a really great event, so I was super happy with it.
3: Yeah, and it's kind of the cool thing about GAC is just the random people that you meet. Even if you talk to them for 30 seconds, you might take away something that, you know, you never thought of before, and just even these short conversations are so great and they and impactful too, yeah. So, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yes. So is there anything else you'd like to add?
12: I guess I'm just feeling very grateful and blessed that CUNA gave us this opportunity and not just us, but the virtual attendees at home. We had so many great comments in the chat, people that were thankful that we were able to give them this opportunity because, you know... We're not out of this pandemic yet and not everybody either felt safe to travel, but there's also so many people at their credit unions that don't just, they don't get the opportunity to come to GAC. So we were able to give them a taste of GAC and I think that they were very grateful for that.
0: Thanks for listening to the CUNY News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio.